Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Pencast Mailbag here at the Skating Penguin Network. I am your host, Garrett Bahana. As always, alongside me, a fellow contributing writer over at Pensburg.com, Robbie Noggle, and the one and only, the one-syllable man himself, it is Snail. And we are back to answer some more of your burning, most desirable questions that you submitted to us on Twitter. Just a short note before we get into the mailbag, if you would like to contribute to future episodes of the mailbag here at the Skating Penguin Network, you can do so by following us on Twitter at PenguinsFFSN. Every Sunday, we will send out a mailbag tweet asking for your participation in these very mailbag episodes. And folks, we have 18 questions on tap for myself and the two others with me this week. We'll get started with Robbie with question number one. Question number one comes from Brian. Pat and Hunter spoke on the Locked On podcast on Friday, and I thought I'd like to get your answer. And the question asked to them was, who is your pick for the biggest training camp surprise to make the team? So, Robbie, looking at the guys that they've brought in on PTOs and potential competition and battles in training camp, do you have a player in mind who might surprise the masses? So, I'm just looking at the roster, um, and I think we we've we've discussed uh, Mark Pissick, uh here a couple weeks ago when he signed his PTO as a potential. Um, guy that could push like a Chad Ruedel for that sixth uh, defenseman spot. Uh, Colin White just signed uh, a PTO uh, this past week. Uh, so another uh, possible name uh, thrown into the mix here once camp starts uh, in about a week and a half. Uh, but just looking at the actual roster of contract players right now, um, uh, just looking over that, because it seems like at your top six – um, it's pretty set, even with Gensel missing a first week or two of the season, uh, still recovering from, from surgery. I think looking at the roster, um, it's pretty straight, um, a straightforward for the most part, outside of uh, some bottom six spots. And I'm going to go with um, right out of camp, and this is a name that I think a lot of people are going to be happy to hear. Uh, it's going to be Alex Nylander making the team right out of camp. At some point, he needs a legit shot. And with Drew O'Connor playing up, likely in the top six uh, until Gensel comes back, there's going to be a bottom six uh, spot open. Nylander is, I think his stats show that he's probably too good to be playing uh, in Wilkes-Barre at this point. Um, he, he deserves a legit NHL shot. Uh, the worst case scenario is he's more like a if there was a league between the NHL and the AHL, uh, kind of that level, he's just like a tweener kind of player. But I think you have to give Alex Alex Nylander a shot, and I think he's going to come out um, with a fire in this camp knowing that he's right on the cusp. He got a chance last year, and I think he's going to be um, your dark horse to make the team right out of camp. Uh, maybe not so much of a dark horse because he made um, – he made – uh, game action last year um, but I think that it's just uh, the writing's on the wall for him to make it and if he has even um, any kind of good good showing at camp I think he's going to make uh, the roster 
um, night one against Chicago. So uh, I'm going to go with Alex Nylander for that question, just because I think it's um, a guy that everybody knows, but a guy who's kind of still on that bubble of AHL NHL. Uh, question two from Brian, not really a question, uh, more or less um, a statement of fact and entertainment on Brian's part. Uh, Brian says, I'd love to see Snell's reaction uh, to driving around Pittsburgh for the first time. Uh, he wants to see uh, Snell attempt uh, making uh, driving on the Ford Pitt bridge uh, and going through all that chaos. Uh, Brian thinks that would be some top-notch content. Well, I've never driven on any roads east of the Mississippi, so I have no idea what it's like navigating this Fort Pitt bridge or uh, or any Pittsburgh traffic, but I don't know how much you or Brian knows about um, Seattle and Seattle traffic, but I have to be totally transparent with you, and I'm not trying to boast or brag but and this is nothing to boast or brag about but dude driving in seattle is extremely hectic i think seattle yeah, like think ranked ha- yeah. seattle has like the ranked like worst drivers we get a lot of, of flack for that and they're not those drivers that are getting that bad reputation are are not homegrown native seattles because when we take our driver's tests and start driving i mean seattle uh, it's insanely hilly, like lots of very steep hills. It rains all the time. The roads in downtown Seattle are all still like the old roads. So they're like, instead of being like a natural two cars width wide, they're like actually realistically like a lane and a half and people like wow. park on the sidewalks. So it's like Tetris fitting cars and, and it's like during rush hour traffic and, you know, going this like the full speed limit. It is super hectic driving in Seattle. I grew up navigating those streets and uh, uh, I've driven like I've driven in L.A. traffic before. I've driven I think the only states I've actually really driven in are just all the West Coast ones like Washington, Oregon, California. But L.A. traffic is super hectic. But I would say that there is nothing more hectic than downtown Seattle traffic at like 4 p.m. or 5 p.m. on a weekday. So. I think you might be surprised, Brian, at how well I'd be able to handle maybe some Fort Pitt bridge traffic or, uh, I don't know, whatever, whatever you guys got over there. I, I'm pretty, I would be confident in my ability to navigate that, uh, much to your surprise. So I have to ask you this question, Snail, because this, this popped up as soon as you mentioned driving in Seattle, this popped up. I remember last year or even earlier this year, there was a video of people coming off. It is the I-5 Union Street off-ramp um, near the Seattle Convention Center, and it was documented people getting off this ramp and sideswiping the wall, like, all like constantly. It was like a... Oh, yeah. And I'm like, is there something special about this ramp specifically that makes it more complicated, or is it just people don't know how to drive? Dude, uh, yeah, I saw that video. And seeing that video, I was extremely shocked. I would like to know the, the data on if those drivers were from, like, California or not. Because we all know, I think, can we all agree here that people from California, they're probably the worst drivers in the country? I've uh, never driven in California, so I can't really say. But... Yeah, I can say that Pittsburgh drivers are 
They, they're good. certainly yeah, they're in a class of their own, and it's not a very good one. Okay, so before I get to what you asked, Robbie, let's just I just have to say this because there are so many Seattle is a city in transition right now. And it's so many people moving from Silicon Valley, the Bay, LA, they're all moving up to Seattle. There's a lot of opportunity in Seattle right now for like in the tech industry. So they're all moving up. And dude, in California, it's flat and it's dry all all year. Um, in Seattle, it's very hilly. The roads are very windy. Even like I-5 isn't just a, a straight dart like north and south you know there's some there's some tunnels and some twists and turns uh I, I'll, I'll i could go i could go on and on about the driving in seattle right now but um that ter- what you're talking about robbie that um that union street exit or whatever i've navigated that my sister used to work at the uh, hospital that's right you can literally see right there I, I wouldn't be surprised if that security cam footage is like from the hospital right there there's nothing that tricky about it i don't really totally understand why that happened i have i i haven't really been back to it i think maybe i have actually been back uh since that video came out and to me it's so not intimidating or weird that i've I've never even noticed or thought about it since seeing that video so i couldn't tell you why people have so much so many troubles with that exit yeah i i didn't i would just yeah I remember seeing that video and it just popped into my head that I'm like, oh, that was Seattle. Um, not when you, as soon as you mentioned driving in Seattle, I'm like, um, I bet he's at least familiar with it, whether or not he actually has driven it or not. But yeah, I, I remember it popping up on social media as like a look at all these cars crashing all the time uh, at this one specific um, off ramp slash intersection. So, but yeah, it's uh, there's bad drivers everywhere. Every city has its own uh, quirks and uh when it comes to driving so i mean seattle's no exception pittsburgh no exception la is obviously um has its own traffic problems but i feel like that's definitely and the more people gravitate toward these urban areas the worse it's going to get absolutely i agree all right let's move on here to question number three from brian we've seen saudi money make its way into different sports in the last year or so. Do you ever see them getting involved in hockey leagues and possibly the NHL? Well, from a moralistic standpoint, depending on what side of the aisle, I guess you're on political aisle. That is uh, the way I look at it. I would hope not based on the, just the human rights record alone from Saudi Arabia. And I know why that they're getting into sports leagues and live golf and premier league teams. And they are spending a lot of their own money from the public investment fund to build up what Americans would call soccer or European football. Uh, they're, they're doing that as a form of sport washing to try and blind people from the fact that their human rights abuses and their record on human rights. Really the entirety of that country is uh, questionable to say it uh, generously when it comes to uh, how they treat people over there. But talking about North American sport, uh, that's interesting. A lot of, I always thought North American sport, your major league baseball, your NFL, NBA, and major league soccer. I always thought it was sort of like a, 
a closed group for lack of a better term a a an invite only club i'm not sure if saudi money will touch one of the american major american sports leagues at the same time i wouldn't be surprised if it actually happens because all of these billionaire owners who own these professional sports franchises all they want is to make more money and everyone who has seen that Saudi investment, whether it's live golf or in the premier league or in their own soccer leagues in their own country, they have money to spend through their public investment fund. So will the billionaire owners take profit and money over ethics and morality? Uh, I, I would be, I, I would be inclined to believe that they would take the money over morality based on what I know of billionaires. I'm not one to defend billionaires in any way, shape or form. So I will say this, I would be surprised if it happens. I think there would be quite a bit of uproar if it actually, if the public investment fund and Saudi leaders actually did make their way into North American professional sport. But I wouldn't be surprised because I know how much money that they have in that country. And I know how motivated billionaires are to make even more money. So I don't want it to happen. But I, at the same time, I would not be surprised if it does happen. Question number four comes from Brian. This one goes back to Robbie here. Is there a hockey fact that you still have a hard time believing once you've seen it? I mean, I've been a hockey fan for a while, and this sport is uh, all full of twists and turns, and uh, nothing really surprises me. Uh, much anymore but i did have to look this up just because um i mean there's so much weird stuff in in hockey and sports in general um uh, let's see what's good here so garrett do you remember uh back this is uh, going way back like the beginning origins of what was formerly the pensburg podcast we interviewed uh sean Mac- McInerney. Yeah, yeah. Down goes, I, down goes Brown. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh-huh. Remember, he he had, he was doing it during – he was doing like a little book tour. Yep. Uh-huh. And he told us a story about – he was – the Penguins, I think, were playing in St. Louis. And it was either the arena was so cold or something that they had to wear earmuffs during the game or something <laughs> yeah. like that. It's all, it's all coming back to me now. I know exactly yeah. what you're but, talking about. Uh, if we're going to stick with the Penguins here, uh, one, for a very, very, very – brief period of time they had a real live penguin mascot um instead of iceberg in a costume which you know, real animals are cool uh, unfortunately he didn't survive because um he got pneumonia when he was on the ice because uh certain penguins can only be um the, the environment matters not every penguin lives in he was uh, like a south he was like a, a was he like a south african penguin he was an Ecuadorian penguin, oh, which Lord. they're not used to freezing temperatures. And he got on the ice and got pneumonia and then died. Um, Good heavens. That's and awful. this was back in the 60s when the penguins were really bad. Um, so it was a very, like, expansion, um, bizarre, like... A way yeah. to drum up fan support, and it didn't really work, it and it backfired threw, Yeah, it backed to them. It... Um, backfired in their face uh pretty uh 
pretty quickly. And yeah, um, so not all penguins are uh, Arctic penguins. Uh, they need to be uh, kind of kept at or living in a certain environment uh, compared to where they are from. So yeah, the penguins once had a live mascot and killed him because they didn't understand the environment he came from. It's, I don't. I I hate to Horrible. laugh. I hate to laugh at this because obviously the poor penguin just obviously did not make it. But the fact that because Robbie, you described it so perfectly, it's such an expansion team thing to do to drum up like fan interest in your new team, and uh, just uh, that poor penguin, he didn't deserve the fate that was given to him. Oh man, that is just that's awful, and I'm I'm a terrible person for laughing. Ah, uh, you're fine, but I'm gonna have to try to look up, um, the the um details of that one in St. Louis with the Penguins that Sean uh, Dongos Brown uh, discussed with us uh, back in the day because it was a very like a very bizarre uh, bizarre story. So I'll have to try to look that up at some point, maybe next week. Um, just catch everybody up on that because it was a really interesting story that I had never heard, and it's yeah, it was kind of crazy. Dude, that penguin! I actually know a little bit about this. I, I just wanted to add, and I'm sure Robbie, you know too. But dude, they stuffed that penguin, and he was stolen out That's of the right. arena. Wait, yeah, what? that is right. Yeah, I do remember. Now that Snell says that, I do remember reading that he was stuffed and then oh, stolen my. from what would have been Melon Arena um, back in the day. Maybe Good Robbie or Lord. Garrett's great grandpappy has was his name Pete the Penguin? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> dude, somebody's <laughs> grandfather has Pete the Penguin in their garage or in their basement. Probably. Please come forward. All right, question number five. Uh, this is Brian again calling out uh, Snail. Uh, so I'll let Snail defend himself here. Uh, based on some of the crazy food takes, uh, Brian is. Uh, guessing that snail is a android user brian buddy i'm feeling the shrapnel today but you know what again i think you'll be surprised and you were wrong i i had an android when smartphones were in their infancy i've been a strictly an iphone user since i can really remember i have an iphone 13 mini right now uh i have tried to navigate an, an Android before, and it might as well be like a Rubik's cube or, I mean, something difficult to navigate because I can't figure those out at all. Um, so no, I'm not an Android user. And don't you ever assume that again? I hope Brian comes back next week with more insults for snail and nobody else, because this is top tier, top tier, uh, question. These are top tier questions for Snail. I mean, I'm, now I'm just going to figure out over the next seven days the ways that we can ask questions that are like really light insults to Snail. Bring it on. I, I invite you to. Uh, that's what I, that's, an, oh, actually, I wanted to bring this up, Brian. I hope you're listening. Uh, what, what's up with the Letty pick? I, where's the, where's that like luscious hair pick that you, uh, we were talking about on the last pod. Oh, that's right. He has yet to submit his beautiful flow as we were talking about terrible, stupid, ugly hockey terms. He has yet to come forward with a picture. So th that's something that snail has definitely taken note of. And I will take note of as well. Self-proclaimed immaculate flow. And 
let me just tell you, Brian, I got, I got a, I got a, not just a photo, but I have a slow motion video in the chamber ready to respond to this flow because I believe I have an immaculate flow. My Letty game is strong, as they say. This is the beef I didn't know I needed, but now that it's in my life, like the beef between the host and the question asker, uh, I just, I, being the mediator, I think this is fantastic content. The lore is deep because as a former question asker, this is like the the twist you probably never saw coming. It's it's better than the Empire Strikes Back if you haven't well, I mean it's for, Empire Strikes Back is 40 years old, so if you haven't seen it, that's on you. But anyway, I digress. We will we will move forward with uh, the next question. The next question is coming from Brian and uh he says, "Obviously missing the playoffs suck sucked." But given the fact that people put an emphasis on our team's age, do you see having more time off to recover as a benefit? It's a weird thing when you think about it, but what Brian, the theory that Brian opposes here actually may have some credence to it because of the advanced age of Crosby and Malkin and Latang. You you see it firsthand, and you, I think you saw it with the third go around with the Tampa Bay Lightning. When they were playing, they played all of that hockey, regular season hockey, postseason hockey. That's why the and, and even in the Penguins, the Penguins example, when they were ousted by the Washington Capitals in well, that would have been what 2017, 2018, when they were going for a three-peat. The Penguins looked tired going into that po- that 2017-18 postseason run. It's not easy. Even if you're in your athletic, you're in your athletic prime, it is not easy to play at that high of a level for going on what would have been three seasons in a row at that point. So yeah, the Penguins not getting in the postseason, like Brian says, it sucked, but the, the, the good thing is as we head towards October and the season starting is that even in their advanced ages, and I'm acting like they're all senior citizens when they're still all three of these guys are peak athletic freaks, but the more time you have to recover and rest your legs, the better, because it's harder as you get older to keep up. They, they often say it's a young man's game. And for Latang, Crosby, and Malkin to be over the age of 35, it it may not be easy to, to recover and recuper, recuperate if you suffer an injury. So, yeah, having this extra time definitely could be beneficial, even if it came at the cost of the postseason streak and all of that at the end of the Ron Hextall era. Question number seven. I guess this is for both of us, myself and Robbie, but uh, I'll take the microphone over to Robbie here. This comes from Brian. Do either Garrett or Robbie have a plan on taking a trip to Cranberry to watch the team practice when camp opens in a few weeks? Robbie, do you you have uh, any plans yourself to make it out to Cranberry? So Cranberry is actually a much farther trip for me. Um, it's actually probably like solid two hours. I can get to the arena in about an hour and a half uh, from here in Johnstown where I live. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to be able to make it out to practice at all. If they if they would have a practice at the stadium and I'd have nothing going on, um, perhaps. But uh, this time of year between work and I cover uh, high school football, on Friday nights and I watch college football on Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, so I have a pretty full schedule this time of year with other sports. 
I will probably not see the Penguins in action uh, in person until uh, sometime during the season. So I have no plans of uh, making him out to a practice, but um, I will let Garrett answer uh, for himself. Cranberry is out of my way too. It's over an hour for where, from where I live to get to Cranberry. I mean, with Brian asking this question, I'm assuming he obviously knows Cranberry is north of Pittsburgh. It's a suburb of Pittsburgh. From from where I live to get to downtown Pittsburgh, on a good day with limited traffic, it's about 45 minutes, and it's over an hour. It's like an hour and 10 minutes from my house to get to Cranberry with limited or good traffic. So it's it's quite a ways away. I wouldn't root. I'm honestly never up up north north beyond the city. I'm hardly ever up there for anything. The the farthest north I go from where I live is probably Pittsburgh, unless I'm going out of state for something. So. I probably won't make it to Cranberry as much as I want to, because I know practices are often open to the public, but just because if, if I was closer, yeah, I'd make it a thing for me. Absolutely. But I can't do it where I currently live. All right. Question number eight, then going back to uh snail here again from Brian. Uh, he wants to know, do you see Patrick Kane being a part of, um, Steve Eiserman's plan in Detroit and maybe signing him uh, at some point, would this move make them another team we'd have to fight uh, with for a playoff spot? Yeah, uh, so it is rumored that uh, Patty Kane wants to link back up with his old pal Debrinkit, in, uh, who's now in Detroit, who recently was traded from Ottawa. Um, they were a pretty nasty duo, so I could see why maybe... Kane wants to follow his old old pal over there and see if they can uh, reignite the magic between those two. Uh, but do I see it happening? I don't know. I feel like Kane's one of those dudes, even after this injury, he can kind of write his own ticket to just about anywhere. Um, obviously, he's going to want to go to a contender. Um, I don't know. I don't know what's up with the Iser plan. I, I'm not a Detroit fan. I have, I think, since they've kind of... Uh, since Detroit has fallen into uh, irrelevancy and uh, Steve Eiserman stepped in as the GM, I have been a little bit curious to see what he does, what he's, what he's doing with that team because of just the, you know, the dynasty that he was a part of uh, in Detroit. And I think they've kind of been missing on some draft picks, which is very unlike Eiserman, knowing what he's done in Tampa. Um, I can't say for certain. I don't know if Steve Eiserman sees uh, like this, like Patty Kane being a part of their their big picture right now because they're not a lock to make the playoffs I don't think by any means they are much improved uh Stevie Y has been wheeling and dealing over there uh I think he's kind of trying it seems maybe this offseason and even a little bit last year he's been trying to kind of accelerate their rebuild so um do I see it happening I mean sure I guess to bring it being there that could that could definitely strengthen the argument that uh he could be a part of this plan, uh, and as far as the second part of this question, with uh, would the would the Red Wings essentially be a team that we're fighting for uh, or fighting against for a playoff spot? Like I said, they're much improved, and if the Pens kind of find themselves slipping into a, a dogfight again for a wild card spot, and it's a tight race at the end, of course. I mean, um, I I think with the I mean the Penguins they missed by one point last year, and you got to think with uh, kind of like you guys touched on a couple questions ago, 
for the first time in a long time, Sid and Gino and Tanger have had significant rest. They, you know, not playing, uh, not making a playoff run or playing in the playoffs at all. So I got to think that the Penguins aren't going to be in that dogfight with Detroit. Uh, I think we're safe from that. So I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think Patty Kane and Detroit could, do you think that there's a reason to be concerned maybe that he's going to be linking up with DeBrinkit and Stevie Y over there? I don't know. Patrick Kane is it a bold take to say that Patrick Kane may be completely washed? I mean, I, I no, I certainly, I certainly don't think he's the same player at five v five, obviously because of the age and he's coming off of uh hip surgery. Right. I think Robbie mentioned it a couple weeks ago in a question regarding Patrick Kane. It's like uh hip resurfacing or, or something along those lines, if I'm not mistaken. So uh Kane definitely is closer to the end than the beginning I could see him going to Detroit and linking up with the Brinkett, but I, I, I don't know. Patrick Kane doesn't scare me the way he once did. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Not at all. I, I feel the same way. I mean, I think maybe on a, you saw what he did last year in New York. Granted, I think he was dealing with his injury. Uh, it was, it was a little bit more of a raw injury. Obviously he's gotten the surgery he's needed and is on the other side of it now, but you could argue that the Rangers, they were tr- they loaded up at the deadline and they there wasn't enough puck to pass around and and i think there i had heard talks that like patty kane was going to be maybe on the fourth line at a certain point because they they just couldn't get him going like you said garrett he doesn't really scare me all that much and i think going to a fringe team like detroit yeah the debrinket like factor i mean that could be that could be a dangerous line i guess if patty still got it like that but it doesn't really scare me all that much so um, I think uh, to put a bow on it, it's like, do you see Patty Kane being a part of the Iser plan? Sure, maybe. Uh, and is this a team we'd be fighting for, uh, fighting with in the playoffs? I don't, I don't really see it. I don't see it happening. Uh, question number nine. Uh, Brian asks, can you speak on Dave Wilson being hired as a senior advisor of hockey operations? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about one of the new front office hires under Kyle Dubas. The Penguins named Doug Wilson, senior advisor of hockey operations. And for those familiar with the San Jose Sharks, Doug Wilson has basically spent the vast majority of his, well, not entire professional career, but his executive career with the San Jose Sharks. I believe he was the first captain for the San Jose Sharks as an active player. Uh, don't quote me on that. Obviously I was not alive when the sharks came in to the, to the league as an expansion team, but let's talk about some of the things that Doug Wilson has done as an executive before stepping away, uh, from the sharks in November of 2021. So across his 18 seasons with the sharks as an executive, the sharks made the postseason. 14 out of 18 times they won five division titles and reached a Stanley Cup final. And as as Penguins fans know, that Stanley Cup final ended with a victory over those very same San Jose Sharks. But Doug Wilson will provide a level of uh, maybe expertise as an advisor. Uh, I don't think it's going to be I don't think it's going to be a super hands on position from reading the press release. It sounds like Wilson will be meeting with the team at various points throughout the season on a couple of home and road stints and basically giving Kyle Dubas advice if he needs it or, you know, opinions on player personnel. 
But as far as making hires in your hockey ops department under Kyle Dubas, we know this is Kyle Dubas's team. This is a this is a person and a, a hockey executive that Dubas probably has a great amount of respect for. Obviously, Wilson being in the position uh, for what almost twenty seasons before stepping away with the San Jose Sharks. So he brings a wealth of experience and knowledge as an executive that the younger Dubas can definitely lean on if he needs it. Uh, maybe looking at potential trade targets in the Western Conference or what have you. But I don't think Doug Wilson at 66, I don't think it's going to be a super hands-on uh, every game, 82 game kind of role, but more so as a mentor to sort of guide Kyle Dubas with advice if and when he so requires it. Question number 10, we'll go back to Robbie here and we'll talk about Brian Rust. This question comes from Brian. If 20 goals and 46 points is considered a down year for Brian Rust, what kind of year does he need to have in 2023-24 for it to be considered a bounce back season? Well, I am probably one of the biggest Brian Rust stands uh, you ever meet. I love Brian Rust, and I'm was so psyched when he resigned last offseason um, in Pittsburgh. But yeah, disappointing season. I would like to see around. I mean, he before he was on pace to score thirty, both the COVID shortened year and then the next season when they played what fifty games or fifty six games, whatever it was. He was on pace to score thirty both those times. He's never scored thirty in his career. If you give me 2030 or 2040, I'm completely happy. Um, or sorry, 3030, 3040, I'm completely happy. Um, he, we know he can be on pace to score 30 goals. He has that in him. Um, the speed's still there. He was snake bitten a little bit last year. As long as that shooting percentage can come up a little bit, he can be that guy. The underlying analytics are still there. Uh, so give me somewhere in the range of 30 goals between 30 and 40 assists. I'm a happy camper with him on uh, one of the top two lines. Then I think that's definitely playing to this contract. Um, so somewhere uh, in that zone uh, is perfectly uh, satisfactory in my eyes. Uh, question number 11 uh, again from Brian. What is the, here's our food question. This is for snail. He'll start us off here. What is the best chip dip? combination i love this question i am a huge chip and dip guy so we're obviously gonna we're gonna obviously round table this but uh let me just uh i i kind of divvied this up into a few different kind of scenarios here so if i'm if i'm out and about running errands uh i i'm hitting up chipotle for their chips and their guac uh, I've heard you guys say Chipotle is maybe a little bit overrated. I uh, to me personally, I'm not. I, I mean, I think it's good. I just uh, to me, for what you pay, I think there's option at least locally. There's better options uh, in my eyes that give you the same quality for maybe a little bit less. Okay, that's fair because I would hit like an authentic taco truck or something if I'm looking for like good Mexican food. Yeah, but that, yeah. But Chipotle, I don't really go to Chipotle to scratch that itch for like legit Mexican food. It's like it's fast food. It's like a fast food option. And yeah, it is expensive. Um, it is overpriced. I will say that. I'll give you that, Robbie. But dude, their guac and their chips, they have like this like 
they're so salty and they have this like lime hint of lime to them. I don't know if you guys have ever had it. It's so fire. I love I love Chipotle. Um, uh, and there, yeah, if I'm out and about uh, for a quick bite, quick if I'm really feeling like a chip chip dip combo on the road or something, I'm hitting up Chipotle for their guac and for their chips. If I'm at home and uh, if I'm making something at home, um, maybe trying to save a little money. Maybe I'll do like a, a a baba ganoush with like a with like a pretzel or a pita chip or something. Also like a roasted pepper hummus is super fire. Um, and then uh, if I'm going to the store and like I'm watching a you know like a hockey game or you know like this year I'm gonna be watching a lot more football. Uh, tortilla chips with a, a a habanero salsa to kind of cleanse the sinuses, get that going. Um, I, those are kind of my dip, my go-to dips for said scenarios. So I'll leave it at that and put a bow on it, and uh, I'll pass it over to you guys now. I'm, I'm curious to hear what you guys like. Robbie, do you want to go first? Um, yeah, I'll go. Uh, I am a huge uh, kind of like in your in your vein there. Um, I love tortilla chips and any kind of queso or uh, salsa. I love guac. Guac is like. I love and I never used to like guacamole growing up and man I I love guac um all kinds of guac um uh, I love a good uh like cheddar queso um I was at a place in Pittsburgh a couple weeks ago uh taco joint and I cannot remember it off the top of my head if I looked it up I'd know it. they were down by the convention center um fantastic um uh homemade tortilla chips and um, they had a, a guac with uh, street corn on top of it, and they also had a great um, kind of like spice. I don't want to call it spicy. It had a little spice to it, but just enough of a hint to give it a little, um, a little, a little better taste. But um, I love any kind of tortilla chips and any kind of guac cheese salsa dip is pr- my preferred combination. I absolutely love queso especially when it's nice and warm uh there's a uh that's a chain restaurant it's called uh, condado taco and uh they have uh you could obviously it's a it's a taco joint that's the main thing they specialize in but you get uh various kinds of dips that they have and there's i can't think of the names of the dips off the top of my head but there's one that's what it was Condado was a Condado. Yeah, it was right by. I don't know what. There might be more than one in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think there um, was. But we went to the one by the um, uh, convention center. Yeah, I. Yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> it, th- there, there's one dip that, and I get it all the time when I'm with my sister and brother-in-law. There's a, it's a queso dip, but I think there's like chorizo in it. Yeah, it, that's what we got. And it was fantastic. Oh, it's so good. It is. Oh, thinking about it right now, I want to go get me some. But, well, it, it's weird that Robbie and I were on the same wavelength there talking about Condado tacos. But, yeah, as for me, like, you give me chips and queso, uh, I will devour the whole thing. I'm not as big on guac as the other two gentlemen are, but to each their own. And uh, what can I say? I like the cheese. Lather me in guac. I love that shit. What is wrong with you? I'm gonna have to edit oh, that out. Oh man, I love. Oh gosh, <laughs> Robbie feels the same way. Bathe in it. I would dismant. I dismantle guac. It's so good. <laughs> oh, I'm so. I'm not gonna lie. Like while you guys were talking about this, uh, did you say it's called Candado? Condado. Uh, C O N D A D O. Yep, that's it. 
I'm like I'm I'm thumbing through Uber Eats right now. I'm so hungry. Did you do you go to the one in the South Hills, Garrett? I think that because uh, when I haven't gone in person, uh, we've done oh, Uber Eats. Okay, okay, yeah. But if you're yeah, South Hills is probably the closest one to where I would Uber Eats from. But yeah, yeah. down by like Mount Lebo and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's, yep. Yeah, it's their tacos are fantastic too. They're like a like, well, they have like pre made a pre made menu, but then yep. they have like a menu that you can put on uh, whatever you want to. And I got like, I think I got, I got two with like one with like brisket and one yep. with their chicken. Oh man, it was. The homemade shit, everything was so good. I would uh, go there again if I'm ever down that area. I'm absolutely going there again in a heartbeat. They were so good. I'm not even. I'm not even gonna lie. I'll, I'll tell the truth right now. I've gotten condado a couple of times, uh, and each time, Robbie, if you can envision their tacos, their tacos aren't what I would consider very big, but they're not bite size either. I like. I have no problem. I, I when I when I get my order. I'll put in an order for like four or five tacos and oh yeah i could easily uh if i'm not eating really anything else i could easily dismantle um a handful of their tacos they're so uh, they were they're excellent yep excellent i am I'm, I'm really curious about this so kind of moving off the the let's like remove the dip from this question so when my uh my grandparents would go visit my family in uh in pa they would always come back with uh i think they're called like old dutch ketchup chips do you guys have you guys seen those over there is that something that do you guys like ketchup chips i thought ketchup chips were only in canada no you can get them in the united states and uh probably more out east Uh, i'm not a fan i like ketchup but i'm not a fan of like like the chips like it's too much of a ketchup flavor for me i like ketchup strictly as a condiment um so uh but i know people that do like them and you can't get them uh they're very big especially in eastern canada but um not a not a thing that i particularly enjoy so they turned me on to ketchup chips when i was quite young and i think the brand was called old dutch if i'm if i'm not mistaken dude ketchup chips are so fire and then my love for ketchup chips kind of um evolved into uh, all dressed chips which are mostly like a canadian thing but you can find them i think in the border states like we had them here in washington for like a very sh- i think during covid for some reason we had them here and uh those are fire actually on my birthday last year i uh i treated myself by ordering i found some online all dressed i had to order them from like minnesota and i ordered myself just like a healthy stash of those have you guys ever had all dressed chips no i can't say i have i mean you being from seattle definitely probably helps your um influx of canadian goods but i've never had of all dressed chips Uh, yeah i don't even know i've never seen that at any grocery store i don't even if you i don't even know what it is to be honest with you they're essentially a ketchup chip but instead of uh instead of just ketchup flavor they've got a little bit of a, a vinegary taste to them not a vinegar chip by any means but they're a little vinegary and maybe like a little um maybe a little smokiness to them they're uh yeah i should look up what exactly is in an all-dressed chip but uh they're a little bit more uh vinegary and smoky anyway super fire um we'll move on unless you guys have anything else to add to the chip dip combo question i do not we can move on all right Let's move on then. Uh, question number 12 coming from Logan Cranky. Uh, do you think Graves lives up to his contract? 
I think the, the the biggest concern that people had when Ryan Graves signed that contract was they look at the cap hit and it's six years at 4.5 million with a modified no trade. They look at the cap hit and they think, why did we spend all that money on a defensive defenseman who can rarely, sometimes he will, but rarely put the puck in the net. As, as the years go by, even, even next season, if the salary cap is expected to go up by, let's say, three or four million dollars, the more and more the salary cap goes up, the less and less people are going to worry about Ryan Graves' contract and his contributions to the team. Because it, I'm not going to say this contract will be a bargain. I don't think Ryan Graves is some super elite player by any means, but it'll be less and less of a concern for me personally as the cap continues to go up. $4.5 million, I'm not opposed to paying that for a top for a top four defender. So, and that's what Ryan Graves is going to be. He's going to be the yin to the yang to even out the offense from Carlson and or Latang. So, I'm not really opposed. I'm not scared of the cap hit. It's going to be he's a defensive defenseman. He'll shoot the puck and and score an odd goal every now and again. Maybe like a Marcus Pedersen. Uh, but does he live up to the contract? I will say he will. And like I said, as the years go on and the salary cap is set to increase exponentially over the next couple of seasons, I'm not going to look too heavily and too analytically at the 4.5 cap hit, even if it is for six years. Question 13. Go back to Robbie here. This question is from Brian. Which goalie had your favorite goalie mask? Johan Hedberg's Hedberg's blue moose mask will always stand out to Brian. Yeah, the Blue Moose mask is absolutely legendary, mostly because, again, he came over from uh, Manitoba. That was his mask that he was wearing up there. He did change it uh, the next year to make it uh, black and gold. Um, but the Blue the blue Mask uh, is uh, legendary uh, in Pittsburgh lore. Um, I forget which of the Boston goalies used to have, like, bear jaws uh coming across the front of their mask uh which was always really cool eddie belfour when he was in um uh, chicago had like um the headdress feathers uh that were on his mask uh and who can forget the the legendary dominic hashik with the old little cage and uh tiny helmet um he never really he never wore the uh, modern day goalie mask that uh, you all used to see, and all those are, are kind of legendary. Um, anymore, they're just I mean, goalies just go off um, anymore with their designs. But the simple designs like Broders with the uh, the Devil logo, uh, even Tom Brasso's, which was just a simple um, black, gold, and white, um, or black, yellow, and white uh, with some very simple designs on it. Uh, during the early cup years um, are always legendary as well, in my opinion. But Hedberg's is always going to stick out, not just because it was blue, but because of his heroics uh, during that playoff run to the Eastern Conference Final. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it, and it completely mismatched everything the Penguins were wearing. Um, so it's forever going to be etched in uh, Penguins lore um, for what he did uh, during his time in Pittsburgh. Uh, question number 14, we are now switching over to Kim uh, from Denmark. Uh, if you could choose one game in Penguins history to attend, which would you choose? 
I would love to have seen Pittsburgh uh, versus the Rangers in MSG when Mario got uh, recorded nine points. Um, yeah, God, there's so many games. Like there have been so many. Like I mean, obviously, like there's some some cup victories in there that you'd love to be present for. But the one that like really came to mind first was uh, the Sid and Ovi matching hat trick game. Uh, that I believe the they, the Penguins ended up losing that game, but uh, yeah. dude, just the these two magicians just dueling and getting the matching hat tricks. I think that would have been electric. They talk about it to this day. Um, I think uh, just these two uh, epic prodigies uh, just really lighting it up in in a in a pretty exciting game. So uh, I want to open it up to you guys. I I think. Uh, I want to hear what uh, either of you would have to say if you could attend one game, or maybe you guys have already attended that game. Um, but yeah, what about you guys? Yeah, I attended the one game that I don't think will ever be topped for as long as I live. I attended the double overtime game in the twenty that was twenty seventeen Eastern Conference Final against the Kunitz goal. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, nothing will ever top that experience for as long as I live. Um, <laughs> I bought that ticket on a whim like the night before and I ended up going with my dad and his friend and we were on completely separate sides of the arena. They were in like section 223 and I was on the opposite end. So I was just sitting next to a bunch of strangers and I was exhausted heading into double overtime. I like I was losing my voice and I just wanted the game to end so bad at that point. And when he gets the little when Crosby passes back, I think Crosby passes back to Kunitz. And it's a little like knuckler puck, basically, that goes past Anderson, uh, that place. I've never heard an arena as loud as it was that night. And I don't know if I ever will again. Dude, how was the underpants cam? Like, we need an underpants cam that game. Were you, how stressed were you? I was stressed. I wasn't pissing my pants. Like, I, I don't get that extreme, but I, especially, like I said, I, I got tired. I got really tired after the first overtime and the intermission after the first overtime. And so we go into double overtime. I'm thinking in my head, like as I'm watching it, okay, as long as we have possession, we have a chance to win. Every time Ottawa retook possession, I was like, oh God, this could be it. And the, the goal was scored on the opposite end of the ice from where I was. So I, I couldn't see the goal actually go in but I saw the LED lights on the glass that uh, go up when a goal is scored. And like from that second onward, like the whole place just erupted. Everyone in that arena was like in unison. They were all together for that moment. And I remember leaving my seat, finding my dad and, and his friend Doug. And uh, I just could, at that point, like it had not even sunk in that we were going back to the Stanley cup final. I just couldn't believe we won that game. And uh, I could talk about that game all night long. Didn't Phil almost end that? Yeah, like, in the first overtime. It landed on top of the net. Dude, I, I'm not even kidding. I Every year, probably, it's like right around this time of year when I'm really starting to get that itch to watch hockey, I like to crush a six-pack and watch that game on YouTube. Yeah, that's it's still one of those kind of games where you're like, I'm just waiting for uh, a different outcome. Like, you're just like, just please happen Every, please happen like i remembered it happening i didn't dream it robbie do you have a, a special game whether you've gone to or you wanted to see 
I would probably go a year earlier than that in the Benino overtime winner uh, yep, uh-huh. um, yep. against Washington. And so funny story about that game. Um, I was in Nashville um, for that series on a trip with my family and game five was Saturday when we were in Nashville and um, they lost like four, one or something like that. Um, didn't get to watch it. Well, we had a tour and a concert at the grand old Opry on Tuesday night during, during game six. And they go three, nothing feeling good. Damn three, one uh, crap. That sucks. It's going to be a really stressful third period. Three, two, and then three, three. And this was out knowing how it got to three, three. Uh, we were backstage at the grand old Opry on a tour when I got the notification that we needed a score to end it. And I was just, yeah, I just had to remain calm and basically just not, just, just not start screaming and yelling. And I finally got home and watched the highlights. I'm like, Oh my gosh. But that is one game that I definitely wish um, I could have attended because that was, man, I would have been an emotional mess. (laughs) <laughs> that was a good one too i like that all right i guess uh any you guys have anything else to add nope. i do not nope we can go forward all right moving on here to question number 15 uh coming from kim uh do any of you like european football if yes what team do you like uh i since 2017 18 and like football i call it football American should call it soccer, but I call it football regardless. I was watching football or soccer. It was never on in my house growing up. I kind of found it by myself. And uh, since 2017, 18, I've been a supporter of Manchester City in the English Premier League. I think Kim, the the, the question asker, I'm pretty sure he's a Liverpool fan. Uh, Robbie, I know you are a Manchester United fan as well. so. Yeah, my fandom is relatively young. I've been following the team since 2017, 18. And like, I, I guess I came on. I knew nothing about Manchester City. I knew nothing about the Premier League. I knew nothing about the game of soccer. I knew nothing about it. I basically learned all of it by playing FIFA, the video game. And uh, I came on in 17, 18. And right as, they, as Manchester City started winning Premier Leagues, that, that was just... When I hopped on board, and I haven't looked back ever since, they win the Champions League last season uh, in the uh, the treble with Erling Holland's first season in Manchester. So, uh, I, I unknowingly I, I ended up picking one of the better teams in England and one of the better teams in Euro- the European competition without knowing a single thing about the game of soccer. So, I just dumb luck ended up becoming a Manchester City fan. Wait, Garrett, you you said this before. How do you know Kim is a is a a fan of what whatever team you just said? Liverpool. Uh, he well, I see the profiles when they ask questions on Twitter. I'm pretty sure his Twitter profile picture or his Twitter banner uh, has hit. It's I don't know if it's him, but I'm pretty sure it's Liverpool themed. I'm pretty sure his profile is Liverpool. Uh, okay. So I could be I could be wrong though, but I'm pretty sure that's where it came from. Yeah. Uh, I've been curious about that. I think you've mentioned that a few times. I don't, obviously I don't watch soccer. Uh, dad, if you're listening, I'm sorry. My dad was a soccer player. I played soccer my whole childhood up into high school. Um, I never, I don't think I've ever watched a 
a foot is it a match a football match they call it they call the games matches yeah i haven't watched a match on on tv in my whole life my dad is a huge messy fan uh a huge fan of uh, of european football um i never watched a game but i've certainly played it funny story actually the last game of soccer i ever played uh, I used to play indoor and outdoor, and uh, my dad was actually the coach of our team. And I actually, I don't know if this suspension still is active, but my dad and I and an, two other guys, one on the other team and a buddy on my team, were actually suspended. Um, I brought the hockey mentality to indoor soccer, and I, I stuck up for my teammate and got into a tussle with the other player. And then the ref tackled me against the wall, and then my dad rushed the field to charge the referee and we all ended up sitting out the rest of the game in the parking lot so since then i have not played soccer and i certainly have not watched it robbie do you have anything you'd like to add about your lonely red devils i'm a manchester united fan i'm a manchester city fan we have earning holland we win champions league man man <laughs> man, man man yeah we also have a bunch of oil money man man okay yeah Look, I may sound like a hypocrite. For I, I, I'll take the hypocrite. Says the guy who was just so mad about Saudi money. Oh no me. way, look, Robbie! Look. Expose him. I need to hear this. He Wait, was no. so mad about Saudi money being infiltrating sports, and here we have a guy whose team is owned by an oil baron. Oh my Middle god! Middle East oil baron, I should say. I. I will say, I will take it on the chin that I probably sound like a hypocrite for supporting Manchester City. But in, in my defense, I was, like I said, when I was learning the sport, I was naive. I didn't know how this, how Manchester City came into all this money. I only learned after the fact that they are owned by a Middle Eastern oil baron. Um, and at this point, it's I, I can't, I cannot renege on my my the the team that I've since started cheering for. So uh, Robbie can have the free jabs at my head right now for for uh, for talking that smack as I dis, uh, eviscerated the Saudi oil money earlier. So I he, he he has to take that one. and He took his shot and he, he is well within his right to take that shot. I understand like you came into the game late and I mean, not knowing um, how like who they were owned by or how they got their money and back in like what'd you say 2017 2018 how i mean difficult it was to google stuff back then oh um, my god um, to be able to find out that kind of information so um i i mean yeah it's it's understandable i'm sorry uh yeah i mean it's unfortunate but i guess you guys did win a treble so you guys do have that but uh at the end of the day um yeah, I mean, you're the one that has to to live with it. So not me. So um, I'm just I'll, I'll just sit over here. Yeah, yeah. I'm because I'm sure the Manchester Manchester United supporters they have really a whole heck of a lot to hang their hat on recently with some of the uh, some of the troubles with I believe what Mason Greenwood and maybe a couple of other players on their team. Mason Greenwood's no longer well. He's on loan, so he technically is still under contract by United. But um, I mean, I'm not. I definitely don't say anything. Uh, the last 10 years of United soccer have been absolutely dreadful outside of uh, a few minor trophies here and there. I've, yeah, I completely, I would love to have some rich freak billionaire buy the team and be a world beater again. Um, but 
Hey, it is what it is. I am a United fan. I also follow the Italian league. Uh, I'm a Roma fan down there. If anybody's familiar with that. Um, but um, I would love, I mean, I support the river hounds who are our local uh, team here in Pittsburgh who are actually really, really good. Uh, and, but um, no, uh, we need to get the river hounds to not, not to, I don't want to change the subject or sound like I'm doing, we need to get the river hounds to MLS. Yeah, um, that would be great. Um, they would obviously need to expand Highmark Stadium yeah. uh, to meet the requirements, but um, yeah, I don't know how that how, how that whole process works. But um, an MLS team uh, in Pittsburgh, I think, would be very good. The Riverhounds are uh, very well supported. Um, obviously, you would need uh, the money to uh, the money to make it possible. So um, maybe someday, but. Uh, overall, uh, I think right now the Riverhounds are completely happy with where they are. Um, they're a stable franchise and a very good, I guess, second tier league, um, you could call it. But um, yeah, I mean, so locally, I cheer for uh, the Riverhounds because I have no real MLS ties uh, at all. So yeah, that's pretty much the the extent of my soccer fandom. Well, after I got eviscerated, uh, for, and, and rightfully so, I will say, uh, we will move on to question 16. Again, uh, going back to Kim from Denmark, and quite plainly stated, who are some of your favorites to win the Stanley Cup this year? Good question. Um, again, we're getting to that time of year now where we can talk about that kind of stuff. Uh, we've kind of seen what addition teams have made. Uh, in the East, I really like Florida. I think last year was a complete overachievement by them. Uh, they're a year ahead of schedule. Uh, and I think they're going to be uh, just as good this year, except for a, not having to fight for a playoff spot. I think they are arguably with what Boston um, taking a step back with some of their losses. I think you can make an argument that they are a favorite to win um, that Atlantic division. I really think that they are, the bet the deepest at very least the deepest team in that division and while maybe boston you give the edge in goaltending um i really think that depth is going to be really hard to deal with over the course of 82 games uh you can never you can never take tampa out of it they're always going to be there um not ready to say the maple leafs are a favorite um i feel like that until proven otherwise we have to kind of they're going to be very good don't see them as a favorite Boston need to see how they respond to the way their season ended hurricanes. I I like I, if I had to pick between the devils and hurricanes, I'd say the devils are more of a favorite in my opinion. Um, the hurricanes just can't seem to get over that hump. Um, so if they can get the scoring, I think they can get there, but I like the devils as another East favorite out of the West. Uh, Vegas is going to be very good again. Uh, it just depends on what kind of hangover, uh, from the cup they have um, this off season uh, into next into this coming season, uh, Colorado if they can get health if they can stay healthy, uh, will be there. Uh, Dallas I think is going to be a pain uh, to deal with, and if we're going for dark horse, I'm going to go up to the the old PNW up where Snell is. I think the Kraken they they're hungry. They got a taste of playoff success. They're going to be all in on uh, taking the next step and getting uh, to a conference final or even 
uh, to a Stanley Cup final. So uh, those are how I kind of see the favorites uh, lining up right now. You think even with the uh, injuries to start the season with Florida, they're still they're still front runners. I would say I think they're in that conversation of five five favorites. Um, yeah, I think that division is going to be competitive enough that unless they start out like absolutely dreadfully, um, that division will for the most part cannibalize itself um, with teams beating each other that nobody really breaks away uh, unless somebody has like another Boston kind of year, which I don't see. Uh, those are kind of yeah, those are very freak one-off years, um, but I, that I don't see um, anybody in that division being good enough to pull away to the point where Florida um, wouldn't be at the very top, or at least in that conversation. And if they're not, if they're healthy by by spring, then I don't think it's really going to matter where they finish. I would not want to play them. I'm still waiting for Boston to finally just fade away into irrelevancy, but they keep. They just keep chugging. And uh, what did you mention Edmonton in the West? I don't trust Edmonton. Um, you don't? Okay. I was not curious. From, not from a defensive standpoint. And we kind of saw it last year that, yeah, the scoring trade for 82 games, but you're going to have to do something. You're going to have to have some kind of depth scoring at some point because it's just you're asking too much of McDavid and Dreisaitl, um to just strictly carry you. It's just too, too, too top heavy now. If – they get guys that step up on the bottom six and give them some depth scoring. Um, we can revisit that around the all-star break. But until then, I think they're a second round team, but they got caved in by Vegas last year. And on paper, Vegas is still a better team. And I'd argue that Seattle with their depth, um, is probably a better team too. Uh, question number 17, uh, still Kim from Denmark here. What flavor of ice cream do each of us like? Well, well, well. Are we really going to rehash this, boys? No, we can skip you. <laughs> I'm gonna... uh, wait a second, wait a second. I have to I have to inter- I have to interject here because as we're recording this, I can see each person uh the software that we use to record this in our browsers. Uh, we c- I can see each person has a name tag. Uh I can see my name, <laughs> Robbie's name at the bottom, and Snail has his name. It's just Snail. But underneath his name he has a title underneath his name called Licorice Ice Cream Guy. If that just gives you a, a little bit of insight into how demented, how psychotic that this person is, Licorice Ice Cream Guy. And anyway, not to interrupt and speak over the other hosts. I try not to do that, but I just had to bring that into conversation here. This, this person gets this question, and he is openly declaring himself Licorice Ice Cream Guy. I just think we have an issue here that has not been resolved. No, nothing has been resolved. I crushed half a pint of licorice ice cream just two nights ago. Um, my favorite ice cream flavors are black licorice, black licorice ice cream that is made from a coconut milk, uh, Ben and Jerry's seven layer coconut, cookie dough, and the white chocolate chip. And that's it. I'll open it up to you guys. I am. I will keep this short and sweet and say plain vanilla and be done with it. Uh, chocolate chip cookie dough uh, is my number one. Easy. Um, yeah, it's just I know it's a kind of maybe cliche answer, but uh, it's excellent. I can't go wrong with it. I like it. Short and sweet. All righty. So uh, I think this is our last question here. And this is a question coming from Brian the Lion. 
and it's uh, addressed to Garrett here. So, uh, loved hearing you on the Locked On podcast. Do you think Gino surprises this year and leads the team in points, going classic beast mode? Well, I appreciate Brian the Lion listening to Hunter and Pat's podcast on the Locked On Penguins podcast. So, appreciate you taking the time to see my face for radio if you haven't seen it already. But talking about Evgeny Malkin leading the team in points, that is a bold prediction, my friend. If 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 he were, I don't think he will, but if, if Evgeny Malkin were to lead the team in points, I cannot begin to describe how that would help this team in their quest to get back to the postseason. Uh, I think Evgeny Malkin is still very much a point-per-game player. I also think he's lost a step and not really the skater he once was. I don't even think that's controversial to say, given his age. But I absolutely think... Be, and I, I think I mentioned this before. If I didn't mention it on the Locked On podcast, I'll mention it here. For the longest time, Sidney Crosby had the benefit of playing with Chris Letang. And Evgeny Malkin as the second line center, he didn't, I don't want to say this, he got the scraps, but he was never sharing the amount of ice time with an elite uh, possession driver like Chris Letang. With Eric Carlson now in the mix, I think that could absolutely be a massive benefit to Evgeny Malkin and the points that he's able to produce given Carlson's ability to affect the transition game into the offensive zone, the ability to feed Malkin. I absolutely think this, this acquisition of Eric Carlson, if it benefits one person individually, whether Evgeny Malkin gets to play with Chris Letang or Carlson himself if the if the Carlson acquisition benefits one person on this team, I think it's Evgeny Malkin. And I think that very well could be reflected in the point totals at the end of the season. Well, fellas, we we got through our, our controversial ice cream question there right at the tail end of the podcast, but I think that'll do it. That will wrap up this edition of a, another mailbag episode here at the Skating Penguin Network. For Snail and for Robbie Noggle, I have been Garrett Behanna. Thank you for sticking with us and listening to another edition of the Mailbag episode. And we will be back for another episode with you very soon.